Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. Welcome to The Conversion Show. I'm really excited today. We have a cross-border commerce expert in the house. Matthew Cannon from Reach, and I want to welcome Matthew to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, let's kick it off here. So I've known Matthew for years. We shared office space in San Francisco at a few different locations, and I watched their business grow, working with retailers internationally, helping them with their international payments processing. So we're going to jump into that today. If you're a retailer focused on growing your international markets and trying to understand how you can optimize for profitability. Uh, we have some great stuff coming to you today. So first question for our audience today, uh, can you please just provide a quick breakdown of, of reach and where your focus is when it comes to, and you know, how it folds into the many faces of conversion optimization? Right. So, yeah, I mean, when we started, we really were focusing on just like cross-border payments, um, having the, allowing people to pay the way they want to pay globally. Um, but it's really, it's shifted now to really focusing on cross-border commerce. And there's, there's multiple sides to that. One is like, really is just how do you make the, the, the buyer experience as frictionless as possible on the front end. But then you also have to combine not just payments as, as a core feature, but all of the regulations compliance have now happened in this, in this global world where you have to be compliant with tax and regulation and data protection. And it's, so it's, it's more, much more than just payments. It's basically just how do you optimize cross-border commerce from the beginning to conversion, to being compliant, to having it be the, the least cost. Cause a lot of times we go cross border can be very expensive. I remember when we first met, you know, being a former retailer myself, when you, when you first were describing, you know, the importance of, of how many credit card failures declines there were because of people were trying to make international payments with and you went into the whole process I was like yes that's instant increase in sales conversion right there especially when we used to run international payments it's one of those things that is often like so much in conversion optimization overlooked yeah. is there a certain can we kind of profile the type of customer uh, your ideal customer profile where it really makes an impact is it, you know, is it everyone or is it really once you hit certain scale, it really makes sense to start implementing these international payment processing? Well, it, it really can benefit anyone that's selling cross-border. And when I say cross-border, it's basically like the perfect example is like a, a U.S.-based retailer or company that is only in the U.S., but they're selling to customers in Europe or Australia or, or anywhere. Um and then, but, but it really becomes at scale is like, when do they have enough transactions where it makes sense to add a new payment provider versus your domestic? 
because there's obviously benefits of having you know having a localized provider but you still have to weigh it with like does it managing a couple of payment methods and integrating a new one you have to so if you're only doing like 100 transactions a month international doesn't make sense but once you've hit that threshold then it can make um a lot of savings and a lot of conversion over 100 yeah i would so say if I would, uh, that was just a yeah well if i were to rethink my introduction of, of of matthew here it would really be like who should listen in today and and for me the reason i'm excited to have matthew here is he's an expert at international payments so if you're an emerging brand or a large brand and you're trying to figure out how can I pick up a few percentage points overnight, it's because you might have a big problem with failed uh, transactions simply because your customer is, is, is cross-border. So Matthew, if you, if you will give like that, I remember when we first met years and years ago, you provided like, hey, here's this, here's the basics of this problem here. You know, you need the local issuing banks, but to set that up, you have to be a, a big organization. Would you mind just for the audience providing that kind of simplistic breakdown? Right. Yep. Because I think when when you look at conversion, a lot of times people are always looking at the the really sexy stuff on the front end and everything. But one thing that just people overlook a lot of times is like maybe you've done this incredible job with. Um, the entire checkout flow and and the, the the offers you're doing the marketing and everything and they get to the actual buy button and they all enter in the credit card information but you're a us based merchant company and the customers in in europe for example right and they hit buy and then that transaction is declined and a lot of people don't even understand or look at like what's my approval rate and maybe they know they're a big approval rate what that is globally like what they just have is like oh yeah i did a thousand transactions and 900 were approved but they don't ever really break it down to what is it by market because what they'd be shocked is probably in the u.s they're at like 90 95 percent but in cross-border they could be as low as 70 percent and the, the reason is when you process cross-border it that the, the the banks that are involved in that transactions will typically see it as much higher risk so just because of the way you're processing transaction, it could be a completely legitimate buyer and a legitimate company, but the bank will still decline it. And so the, the easy solution is processing it locally because not only does it increase your approval rates, your fees will be cut in half. When you do it like locally versus cross-border, it cuts it in half. But the, the catch 22 is basically Visa MasterCard, they've, they've created this giant moat where in order to actually get this local acquiring, say in Europe, to access it, you have to have a, a legal entity, a subsidiary, office, people on the ground that actually have this setup. So it makes it for most companies in, impossible. We recently did a, a blog about the, that, the actual cost to set it up, and, and the, the the lowest amount it's going to be is is uh, at least one hundred twenty five thousand to set it up in just one market, and then the 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 risk you have as far as like a company that's like now you're filing reporting taxes in these different countries are you they're getting audited how are you actually doing it correctly and when when people can barely do that in their domestic market to set up in multiple it doesn't make sense so that's kind of the problem that reach is focused on is 
enabling the highest conversion rate for payments at the lowest cost by utilizing our structure, like eliminating that barrier to setting up entities and operations. So we have a customer experience involved here where, you know, customers expecting to check out and they get failed. And then you have a second win, which is lower fees. Right. Um, and then, so how many markets is reach in currently? How many local? We're, we're local in over 40 markets, uh, but we can do over 130 currencies. Wow. So, you know, there, I just read, uh, I think it was yesterday, two days ago about transaction fees and how um, they did it with debit cards where they, 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 who is the Dur the Durban law? Is that what it was? Yeah. Where, it, where they got rid of transaction fees with debit cards, but as a result, the credit card rewards disappeared for those. And then now they're going after the just credit card fees. Are you seeing anything? Does that correlate at all over to international payments and what you're experiencing? Well, when you, when you look at a lot of these regulations against like, say the card schemes to be a MasterCard, even PayPal, it is always, they kind of have monopoly and it's, it's a, it's a game of cat and mouse where they'll, yeah, they'll take one fee here, but then especially when it's cross border, mm -hmm. they increase, they add more fees. Yeah. So a lot of times, like when they get it, if there's ever time where they have to get regulated and they lose fees here, they'll create fees. Like there was a, a, a recent example of that when the UK just left the, with Brexit. Yeah. So in the European Union, everything was considered domestic. Like if you did a transaction in, in, in with the, in, a consumer in, in the UK and a merchant in Spain, right? That was considered a domestic transaction because it was all part of the European Union. And they were regulated to, to charge a, a low fee. What happened was as soon as UK broke out, they're like, well, now we can actually charge it. And they went up over 200% the fees because it went cross-border. Even though there's no more risk, there's no more real anything. It's just, just and they, so they're, they're doing this all the time. So yeah, you'll see stuff in the news, but overall merchant fees are going up. So yeah, that's the thing about being a retailer is your margins are just being taken from you left and right. You know, talk us through like your, a common like onboarding of a client or your, like your first touch of a, of a, a prospect, you know, what's that aha moment for them or, you know, when you open their eyes to the opportunity that they're, they're missing or the, the, the wins, what, what's the common experience for who do you, who do you work with inside the company? Is it the CFO, CRO, or is it marketing? Is it e-com director? Who are we talking to here? Cause this is not a typical, this is, this is an area of the business that is kind of in an odd spot. Right. So a lot of times we actually, through this, the, the process, we talk to all parties. So it may start with someone in marketing or a director of e-commerce. And that discussion is much more about like the actual consumer experience. So we'll walk through like, what is an experience of like, say a, um, a customer from Singapore or a customer from Mexico? What, what are they actually experiencing and what are the pain points on your existing checkout? And, and then what's the actual experience of like, the top merchants in those regions and what that experience is and really showing them the difference of like, 
all these different friction points that you're putting in with like not offering the local currency or not offering these specific payment methods, but even how they're utilizing these payment methods in their on-site messaging and, and allowing it to be a higher conversion rate and using it as a more of a marketing tool to, to help close. And then you're going there. And then it's a lot of times with the CFO about like the actual meat of it. Like how does the, the processing fees work? How do all of these, these payment methods operate? How are the, cause they all work a little bit differently. So are you able to provide an ROI deck, so to speak, analyzing? I remember when we used to switch merchant um, providers, even like, you know, the transactional side that you, people vying for your business would come and present you with, Hey, this is how much we can save you. Is that what you're presenting to them by saying by in local currencies, just from processing fees? And then are you able to provide secondly, a, um, you know, when it comes to sales conversion in the cart, the ability to say we could have potentially saved these transactions that failed out? Yeah, exactly. So what we, what we basically look at, at three different areas to create a business case. One is what is your actual conversion rate to these markets? Because typically what you'll see is um, what is like your conversion rate to like your domestic market versus your conversion rate to an international is usually going to be a big difference. And you're going to say, well, what, what's the reason why, why is it some of those friction points, right? Is it currency? Is it the pricing? Is it maybe one in the US you're offering free shipping, but because you're not offering free shipping in these other markets, it, it's, it's you're having a huge conversion drop, right? And not even with payments, but there's ways that you can set the local pricing and the strategy looking on the market is that you can actually set it certain ways where you can subsidize, like maybe offering free shipping. And there's ways that you can set the marketing and the messaging to that. So you look at that one, like, well, how can we increase your conversion rate? The second one is you look at pure cost. What can we save you on cost? And then the third one is like, well, how many transactions are people actually trying to buy and they can't because it's getting declined. And then based on our benchmarks, what can we do there? Are you seeing anything with inflation rising right now? Are you seeing an influx in different countries in order volume or transactions? Yes. Yeah. Where? It, it's not just inflation because, um, it, and it, but it depends in the markets, right? It's you, you have US, you have inflation in the US, you have inflation globally, right? I was just talking to someone in, in Europe and it blew me away of like, they were saying that their electrical bill right now is around 1800 euro. That's, that's insane. Um, and they, we're not even like, we're, we were all talking about inflation here, but that, so that's going to affect it. But the, the biggest thing is the actual currency conversion. So right now, if you're based in us dollars, not only are they dealing with inflation, like in the, in the UK, the, the, the dollar to the British pound has taken an absolute hit. It's taken a dive. So not only do they have inflation where their own local, local, local products and what they're buying has gone up. You also now have that because of the USD has risen, you're also having on top of inflation currency. And, and it's so now everything is basically 15, 20% more. And so then it makes it, it makes it very difficult for this cross border. So that's where you have to really get advanced and look at like, how can you do pricing strategies or hedging that you can actually lock pricing in to, to avoid this inflation? Because like I have merchants in, in Japan that are killing it right now. 
because they're, they're, the Japanese yen is 30% down to the US dollar. That means that everyone in the US can buy stuff in, in, in Japan for 30% cheaper. Yep. I just saw on the news last night, actually, they're talking about UK and Japan. Yeah. Especially for like travel. It's like everyone's packing their bags. <laughs> yeah. I want to go to Europe. Well, not with the, maybe not for the war, but it's a, it's a good time to, the dollar is very strong right now. Are you, um, is there much communication on currency and, and tariffs? Is that your world? Cause I know that, you know, we talk about the customer experience and, and us-based companies, you know, it, it's often that we forget that when people shop a us-based e-commerce store from a different country, there's a whole new different set of rules involved with customs, with tariffs, with payment, um, you know, payment options, um, shipping rates, everything. So there's many barriers in place already. Yeah. Does your product offer kind of the ability to factor in those, those type of things? Yeah. They yeah. Do? That is uh, that's absolutely crucial to you. What you, it's just, that's why I mean, like it's more of like cross-border commerce versus just payments, because you really want to localize that entire experience. Um, and we, we learned that early on as we started, like, cause a lot of times when you go to say in Europe, if you were going to go, um, and this is for a lot of markets, right. But if you were actually to go in to a local retailer and buy something, you know, see, Oh, this shirt's great at 30 euros. It's when you go to the checkout, it's 30 euros. That's there. That's what they're used to. And if you were to, if they were to go to that checkout and then add another fee to it, they'd be like. What are you talking about? This is yeah. and that and that little type of friction kills cells. So that is something that we learned early on. We're like, well, we did really we helped a lot of our merchants and companies to localize the currency, but then they were getting we would add on the tax after, and that actually hurt it even. It, there was a friction there because a lot of times, if a a a European customer if they go, they don't want to pay in U.S. dollars, for example, right? But when they see it, they, they'll probably know that, okay, they, they haven't localized anything so that they may be expecting a, a, a tax at the end. So you're going to have lower people adding to cart, but once they go to cart, they're probably expecting something. And then when we localized it and then they saw that extra fee because they, they, we did such a good job localizing on the front end, then they see that actual tax at the end. Mm -hmm. They're like, they, they see it as that extra fee. And then it's a surprise. So a lot of times like looking in and actually localizing it where it's that inclusive pricing or what we call like, it gives a local customer experience. Like, so it's baked into the product pricing. That's all kind of dynamic so that you have that highest conversion rate possible. You localize it as much as, as, as the, what's going well, on in that local market. When we talk conversion, you know, presently, we're really, a lot of what we're talking about is personalization and understanding that customer journey, that experience, and how can we, you know, build this, create these, these segments of channels where customers are coming from. And a lot of it starts with, okay, what country are they in now? Like, yeah, we, we are they a new visitor, repeat visitor? Well, first let's go one step above that in the funnel and say, figure out what country. So if I'm a retailer right now that has, you know, experienced growth this past year, selling into 
Australia, Canada, Germany. How do I, what are the steps I should take to look at this? If I'm like, what am I using today? Like, is there an out of the box thing? Are they just using the standard payments and probably losing a few deals? What's your recommendation for them to, to kind of, what are the baby steps to start thinking about implementing uh, cross-border commerce payments? Right. So I would say the, the biggest piece is first, like looking at it, like, well, what markets are actually doing well that you're good, that, that would, would be worth investing. And then going in there, then it's really looking at like specifically what is my conversion rate in that market and where are they dropping off? Is it, and, and where, how does that compare to like, say the U S or, or my, my domestic market of, are they dropping off at different areas in the checkout and to see where the, where the actual issue lies and then actually working with your payment provider or anything and, and looking at like, well, what is my actual approval rate? Not just like broken out per market, right? And if it's below 90%, then they're probably an issue. Or And then looking at the cost. So you mentioned approval rate. Can we just define that for the audience? That is whether or not the, the bank allows this payment to be processed. Right, right. And the payments were like you have... Ultimately, you get a conversion when you actually get a successful payment, right? But when we look at approval rates, it's it's how many people are, are putting in the payment information, hitting buy, and then getting it approved. Can I ask you, where do the, you know, where do the new payment systems come into play? Like, you know, Venmo's not really in, you know, it's not in commerce fully yet, but, you know, PayPal has been, you know, internet, different markets accept different, you know, use different um products uh the buy now pay later um the different payment functions from shopify pay amazon pay are those are those competitive products to you or do you embrace those and and function with them or yeah we we absolutely embrace them and they're they're key to us to a lot of merchant success okay i'm glad i asked them Yeah, through our integration, how we do it, it, it really enables you to offer all the local payment methods and kind of have it be dynamic at checkout. Um, so it, it is key. And it's really when you look into it, but you don't want to offer like, there's a lot of fads out there. There's a lot of, you know, I see a lot of retailers that will have, oh, we're going to have Klarna, we're going to have Afterpay, and we're going to have like, they've gone a little deep with the, the, the buy now, pay laters. And so, and they could be costly. So it's really, you want to look at like, based on your demographic and that market, what's going to be the most relevant? Because sometimes having too much choice, you heard it, but you want that right fit. You want that right choice. What are the three, what are three payment products that maybe the average, you know, US e-commerce business has never even heard of, you know, like in Brazil, they don't, they, they, credit was just introduced in, in in Brazil, you know, all these other countries, what, you know, what are some payment uh, products that have been pop, like, are growing in popularity right now internationally? Yeah. So it's funny, like you'll have in like the Asia Pacific, you'll have a lot of these um, kind of like we always hear about these super apps, right? And it hasn't really taken off necessarily in the US, but in, in the Asia Pacific region, like the grab pay, which is grab is like the, you know, like, I think they're like the Uber or they do multiple things. Right. And they, then they actually have this payment app that's actually taken off. I've never heard so, of it. Right. And so that's something that is actually, it's a huge way, especially in these, these more emerging markets where credit cards aren't utilized as much. So there is some of these, 
very popular payment methods there. Um, you have, especially like you mentioned, like Brazil and uh, and Latin America. There's payment methods that are like they're purely cash based. So like in Mexico, there's OXO, where it, like if you actually ever been, to, it's, I know you surf a lot. So if you've been on a surf trip to Mexico, you probably see OXO. It's like their local, their gas station. They also have like like convenience stores. It's basically everywhere. And it's where they can actually get, when you go to the checkout, they'll get a QR code kind of emailed to them that they can print out or go out on their cell phone. And they can actually go to an OXO, scan that barcode, make the payment in cash. And then the, 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 the retailer can now ship the product. Well, it's like WhatsApp, you know, it, it exploded internationally before it really hit the US. Do you see, do you see any of that technology potentially moving into the US, you know, kind of like uh, they could email you a you know, QR, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you, you, you will see some stuff like that. Um, JP Morgan Chase has had a big thing about how they're trying to uh, do a, a lot of bank to bank, kind of like a, like a Venmo type deal. Um, but it's gonna be hard just because there's so many Americans have credit cards and mm -hmm. People love the rewards, so it's hard to, to push them off of it, but, I, you know, we can see. So with, you know, this economy, this market, e-commerce, which they're talking about just not even calling it e-commerce anymore, it's just with direct-to-consumer, with, with the market just evolving so rapidly and global commerce becoming so much easier, you know, international payments are only going to continue to grow. What what's Reach's view and vision for the next year, two, three, with with cross border payments? It I would say it really is just helping our merchants get as local as possible to increase conversion and and reduce their costs. Because I think, especially we work with all types of merchants, but retail is a main focus, and I think. But it doesn't matter who you are, everyone's looking for sustainable growth and profitability. And get it once someone's actually on your website, converting them has never been more important. So how do you do it, convert them, but also do it where it's, it's doing it effectively at a cost-effective manner? So like, that's just what you have to focus on. And so us enabling our merchants to do that is our core focus. I don't think you could have said that any better. All right. <laughs> like, who would... Who would have thought, you know, global payments would be such a critical factor to the the playbook of a properly optimized website? Yeah. You know, there's so many, there's so much opportunity to continue to optimize websites and increase conversions. Right. Especially in, in today's world where it's it's grown, but it's like you you now need to get a lot of times you have to go outside your domestic market to find that ideal customer, whether you're digital or retail. How do you convert them? And uh, we can definitely help with that.